You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Good morning. So um, one of my favorite things to do in life is to sit around my kitchen table and have some good conversation with people that I love. And uh, so I want to invite you today to my table. You're going to sit at my kitchen table with me. And I just want to, I even got my flowers because there's usually fresh flowers at my house. And I just wanted to kind of tell you a few things that God has put on my heart today to share with you. But um, a couple weeks ago, Brian and I were able to go to the beach without kids. It was incredible. A couple days at the beach. And um, we were kind of the stretch where we were at was not very crowded, so there wasn't a lot of people. It was really, really nice. And uh, there was one day I was out floating in the ocean on my noodle. No one else is in the water. And uh, just minding my own business. And kind of out of the corner of my eye, I see this blob, this shadow start swimming towards me. And it's quite large. So I'm like, remain calm, but my wheels start turning, right? Like I'm deducting, okay, this is too small to be a whale. That's too round to be a dolphin. It's a shark. Like, it's a shark. So I start swimming, but I'm like, don't panic, don't panic. Because I have, like, a lot of confidence in my swimming ability. So I'm like, just swim. You're good. Don't freak out. Swim. Well, it's following me. And it gets right up underneath my feet. And I'm, I'm not far enough out there that, like, it's logical that this could be happening. And, like, it's underneath my feet. So that's when my heart rate goes up. And I start swimming for my life. And I'm like, I don't care how stupid I look. Like, I don't care. Get to the shore. So I start swimming, swimming, swimming. I get finally safe. My heart is racing. I'm freaking out. And this gentleman who is fishing on the shore, he goes, man, he chased you all the way in, didn't he? And I'm like, yes, sir, he did. I'm like, calm down. I'm safe. And he says, do you know what it was? And I was like, what? And he goes, it was a manatee. (laughs) I was so embarrassed. I was like, of course it's a manatee. I was chased by a manatee. I'm actually was born in Florida, so like I should know better. Um, but they're like called sea cows for a reason. Very docile, very harmless. Um, so I felt really awesome about myself. Uh, but yeah, it was just has nothing to do with today. But I just uh, we really enjoyed our beach vacation. <laughs> so I'm really excited to be here with you today. And um, you know. Like Brian mentioned, I don't do this very often, so when I do, he gives me quite a good runway to kind of like pray and prepare and really ask God like what he wants to say and do, and um, two things he put on my heart, and they're not really connected, but I just felt very much conviction to share with you today what those things are, and the first is this story from Genesis 16. It's a short story, um, and I've been sitting with it for about six months because I read it at the beginning of the year when um, the Bible reading plan always starts in Genesis. And I'm really good at like staying on track at the beginning of the year. And so I've read this story like feels like a hundred times. But for the first time, one specific verse just stuck out to me. And, um, And I have not like gotten over it still. We're about six months later and it's just stuck with me. And so um, I felt like that's something that God wanted me to share with you. And I want to give you a little bit of context because Genesis, really specifically, if you want to go back and read Genesis 12 through 21, it's kind of the story of Abraham and Sarah and like the Israelites, the people of God, like 
it's a setup really for historically what the Christian faith is all about. And so it's very beefy. It's very dramatic. There's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot in it. And so I want to say that to say, like, it probably is going to raise questions. Uh, We all have questions. Like, I still have questions, even about what I'm going to share with you today. Brian has questions. Like, we all have questions when it comes to our faith and comes to the Bible. And um, I just want to say, like, if that's you, you're in the right place. Like, it's safe. This is a safe place for you to have questions. Um, That is totally fine. And that's kind of like where we're going to start today. So I'm going to give you a brief, as best I can, a brief, like, context for what I'm going to read to you. So Abraham... God gives him this promise, and he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to have so many descendants, like you can't count them, more than the stars, more than sand, like so many. Big, huge problem. They cannot have children. And they've been trying for a long time, because the story we're going to read, Abraham's in his 80s, so long time. And uh, Sarah kind of like gets tired of waiting, and she takes matters into her own hands. And she decides, okay, I have a slave She's an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Why don't you sleep with her, Abraham? And we're going to get, we're going to like force this promise into reality. And maybe she'll get pregnant and we can start uh, our descendants that way. And so she, Abraham does it and she gets pregnant and it says, so interesting, the scripture says that she starts, Hagar starts treating Sarah with contempt. And I was kind of reading about that, about what that means is kind of like, hey, like, I didn't ask for this. Like, she's so upset because she didn't ask for this to happen to her, but she's dealing with the consequences of it. And so she's not happy. Can you relate? Like, I can relate to that. And after that happens, it says that Sarah starts mistreating her badly enough that she decides to run away. And that's where we're going to pick up uh, in verse 7. And it says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. And he said, Hagar, son of Sarah, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? And um, I just want to stop and say that a lot of scholars identify that when the angel of the Lord comes in the Old Testament, that they they think that's Jesus coming in the Old Testament to visit with people. Um, And she says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. And the angel of the Lord also said, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son and you shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard your cry of misery. You will be, he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. And she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And that's kind of where I want to like camp out today is verse 13. She has this encounter with God and she says, you're the God who sees me. And I have now seen the God who sees me. And she, you know, she's not talking about being seen with physical eyes. Like, I don't see you in front of me. She's saying, I'm seeing into you. You know, she's saying, you're not just seeing physical eyes, you're seeing into my soul. You're seeing my longings and my dreams. You see my heartbreak and my pain. You see my flaws. Like, you're seeing all of me in the depths of my soul. Like, that's 
what she's saying right there when she said, you're the God who sees me. And I just found it so interesting that after all of that, so not just a really bad experience with Abraham and with Sarah, but then also like a really bad prophecy, like honestly a promise from an angel that's like, your son's going to live in open hostility with everyone. I'd be like, awesome, thanks. Like, that doesn't sound very encouraging. Like, I, I just, it's so fascinating to me that whatever happened in their encounter and her experience with God was enough for her to trust him and to obey him and go back to a situation that was out of her control and where she was mistreated by someone she was being mistreated by. And she went back. And I just was sitting with God asking this question, like, what is it about being truly heard and seen that is so transformative? Because that's what happened in this story. Like, what is so transformative about that? And I felt like God said, empathy. Empathy is healing to our soul. And um, I love the way this, so there's a clinical uh, social worker and a master of divinity. His name is Adam Young, and he puts it this way. He describes it as when we feel felt. When another person connects with us enough that we feel understood and that that connection is so powerful that it can bring healing to our soul. And that's empathy. And, um, you know, empathy is a buzzword right now, especially social media world. I don't know if you've caught on to this, but they use it kind of in a way of like, I've been trying to put words around it, of like tolerance. Like, all ideas are great. However you feel is great. Like, there's no really absolute truth. And like, I think empathy is so important, but I think we have to work from a proper definition of empathy. You know, um, so I looked it up. Empathy is the ability to understand and share another's feelings. Let me say it another way. It's putting yourself in someone's shoes, even if you haven't experienced what they've experienced. And, uh, I just want to ask the question, I have asked the question, like, who came up with empathy? Social media did not come up with empathy. God created it. And I, I like, this is, blows my mind, but I love, like, how God made our bodies and that kind of stuff. But literally, God designed us with mirror neuroreceptors that allow us to feel what another person is feeling, they talk about how moms and babies, like, can they, a baby can tell that a mom can feel what they're feeling because of those mirror neuroreceptors. Mind blow emoji. So cool. And so if that connection, that empathy is so powerful between two human beings, how much more powerful between you and the creator of the universe? That's what I think happened in this story. Um, so why does this mean so much to me? Um, Personally, it means a lot to me because I have experienced this. I've, I am Hagar. I have, like, that is me. I have had times where I've felt unseen. I have felt overlooked. I have felt like I've been put in a situation where I was taken advantage of, where I was in a situation that I did not choose. Um, I have been there. I've tried to run from my circumstances. And I have felt like no one cared. I've been there. Um, and I'll give you a little bit of like actual context of my life. But um, I kind of even have times felt unseen by my family growing up. Um, I was eight. My parents got divorced. And um, 
part of that, I mean, there's obviously a lot, if any of you have experienced that, there's a lot surrounding that. But one of the things for our family um, was that we struggled financially. Um, And so I spent most of my formative years in survival mode. Um, Very aware of like, do we have enough for electricity bill? Are we going to have food to eat today? Um, Those kind of things. And so uh, even like, I have this memory, I love to go roller skating (laughs) as a kid. And I have this memory in late elementary school of I really wanted to go roller skating, but we didn't have the money. And so we were digging in the couch cushions for change. And we would literally like try to find change, and that would determine what we got to do that day. Um, or we rolled, this is going to date me so bad. We would roll pennies. Like nothing was electronic. Like you didn't have credit card. Like we would roll pennies, and that's what we would eat on that day. So literally every penny counted. Um, and so that was part of it. Part of it was um, we had to move around a lot. And so I was always in a new school trying to make new friends. Um, I felt like I was not really spectacular at any one thing, but I desperately wanted to be. Like I wanted to have something that like I could bring to people and say like, hey, this is who I am. And um, it felt like I was like, really good at things that didn't matter. Like I mentioned roller skating, really good at roller skating. No one cares. Really good at hula hooping. No one cares. Um, And I was good at art, but for most things I was average. And so I didn't have like this one thing that I could say like, hey, this is me. And so at school and with friends at times, I did feel forgettable. I felt like no one really knew me. Um, And I remember even as a teenager, like, trying to be what I thought people wanted me to be um, just so that I could connect with them and fit in and so I wouldn't experience rejection. And so I don't know if any of that resonates with you, but um, I've had experiences like Hagar where I, would, I could say to God, like, I didn't ask for this. Like, why am I having to deal with these consequences? Like, when I didn't make these choices. Um, and even in the church, like, I've had some experiences where I've been hurt um, in the church or bad experiences or with people who because they loved God, we're supposed to love me and treat me right. And uh, I say all that to say, like, I hope you find yourself somewhere along any of those experiences. I know in a room like this that you have. Um, And as much as, like, I could just say, here's all the sad things and hard things, here's what I know to be true, and I'm going to ask them to put verse 13 back on the screen, is that I have experienced the God who sees me. I can remember being a little girl. Like, it had nothing to do with church, guys. Like, I remember being a little girl and being so aware of the presence of God. And I don't know why. I really believe it's a gift. I never equated God's character with how I was treated by God's people. Like, I don't know how. Um, I really believe it's a, it's a gift. And um, I knew he was perfect and that people were not. Um, but during those times that I mentioned earlier, Um, I never doubted that he saw my struggle or that he understood me or that he knew like where I was coming from. And um, it brought me a lot of comfort Um, when nothing else seemed to make sense, when nothing was stable. uh, There was a deep sense of knowing that God saw me and that he cared about me. And um, I love that I felt understood by him, and that somehow, like, that meant everything was going to be okay. Um, And some couple examples of that. So 
I was always very aware of like, okay, we need this much money or the electricity is going to be turned off. And a random check would show up. This happened multiple times. A check would show up in the mail for the exact amount that we needed to keep the power on or the exact amount for whatever that bill was that had to be paid, you know, those basic needs. And I, I felt like it was God being like, I see you. I got you. Like, you're good. Um, and because it, it's like, that's miraculous provision. Like, there's no way that makes sense any other way. Um, and then kind of another example of like when I was older, kind of when I was a first new mom, and we were kind of experiencing our challenges with Jordan, not knowing what was going on. I know, I remember feeling like, I would try to talk to other people about it, and I felt like nobody gets what I'm going through. Like, no one understands, like, how heart-wrenching this is and how hard this is and all these things. Um, And I felt alone in that way. And I've had a hard time even preparing for this, putting into words how, with God, I never felt alone. Like, I don't really know how else to say it other than, like, I felt like he knew exactly what was going on on the inside of me, no matter, like, how much I couldn't express it to other people. And that's kind of what I'm talking about, is he is the God who sees us in a way that no other person can um, on this earth. And so I've wondered, you know, where you fall. You know, have you felt misunderstood? Do you feel unseen? Do you feel forgettable? Do you feel like you could say, hey, I'm reaping the consequences of a situation that I did not ask for. You know, maybe you find yourself there. Maybe you feel abandoned or rejected. And uh, if you find yourself there today, I just felt like God wanted me to tell you two things. And the first is, I just want to remind you that God sees. He sees your cries. He sees your he listens. Like, he hears when you talk to him. He hears when you cry, when you cry out for help. Like, he sees you. He sees that decision that you are just, like, toiling over, and you don't know what's the right choice to make, and you're just thinking about it and worrying about it. You know, he, I was, you know, go back to verse 11, even with Hagar, He says, you're to name him Ishmael, which means God hears, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. He sees the parenting decision that you're questioning. He sees that you lost your job. He sees the behind the scenes way that you serve your family. He sees you wrestling with tough questions. He sees your diagnosis. He sees your pain. He sees all of it. It is not lost on him. Um... And not only does he see, but he cares. I pray from the bottom of me today that you know that he cares. And I can prove he cares. Look back, I mean, I look back at Hagar constantly because I'm like Egyptian. So she was not one of God's chosen people that he was going to make his line through. Slave, woman, trifecta of someone who's not supposed to matter. Someone you're not supposed to really care about. And that's who God chose to visit. If you read all the context that I told you, visits her twice. So God cares. He cares a lot. He cares about how you're treated. He cares about your financial situation. He cares about your mental health. He cares about your big decisions and your small decisions. He cares about your needs. And he just loves you 
loves you so, so deeply. And that's why he cares. And, and this was really such a burden on my heart today. And I pray that you hear this and that you don't forget it. But we, our souls are designed to need this from God. So there is something in us that is searching for this in other people. And can I just tell you, there is not a single person on this planet, spouse, friend, child, whoever, there is not a person who can be for you what only God can be for you. There is not a person who has what it takes to see you the way that God can see you, who can know you the way that God can know you. And that you can see him, you can see the God that sees you. I just want to encourage you with that today. You are completely and unconditionally loved. And that's amazing when someone can know and see everything about you. And they still choose that. Incredible. I love our God. Uh, And here's the second thing. Switch gears. (laughs) So uh, this is a quote from my counselor. Uh, So this has been over a year ago, but it says, I have always found God to be useful because he is. But I also wish I had known God to be beautiful because he is. And I think the world values usefulness. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's easier for us to wrap our minds around. Honestly, like talking about this is going to make me nervous because this part's easy. For an example, every tool, every product has a function, right? It makes something easier. That's why someone made it. And the more it works, the more useful it is, the more popular it is, more successful it is. Like that's how it works. And if you think about us, like interviewing to get a job, what do we do? We submit a resume, essentially saying, let me tell you all the ways I can be useful to your company. Like, that is how we do the world. We have award ceremonies and graduations where we talk about people's accomplishments. Like, that is something tangible that we can put our minds around and our hands around. Um, And I, I think that that makes it easy for us to translate that to God. Okay? So, for example... He answers our prayers. He gives us wisdom. He gives us peace. He does miracles. He helps us, like guides us in decision making. Like God is useful to our lives. It's practical, it's helpful, and it makes our lives better, right? Like that is not a bad thing. (laughs) It's a great thing. Um, But it can impact our relationship with God in a way like Lauren and I were actually sitting at my kitchen table talking about this. And she said, she mentioned, she said, I was thinking about our mission even as a church. And I'm like, yeah, so our mission, I'm going to do it without looking, is we exist to reach all people and teach them to have a relationship with God that gets better and better. And we were thinking about that. And I think what we can mistake is that better, better means our life should look like this. Okay. So up and to the right, positive results, forward movement, I mean, that looks awesome. I don't know about you, but I I would love that. Um, Because our relationship with God is useful to our lives. Um, But you're looking at that, right? And we all know, like, in reality, that is not how it works, right? Our our spiritual journeys look a lot more like this second picture that I'm going to put up here. (laughs) It's messy. It's not linear. It is not all figured out. It is faith. It is trust. It is having hard questions that sometimes don't get answered. 
Um, and if you feel like this, welcome to the club. Like everybody's experience is something like this. And I don't know who this is for, but I felt this strongly this morning to say to you, like, if you find yourself somewhere on one of those back curves where you feel like you're going backwards um, or where you feel like I am just all upside down and you feel like you're like ready to quit, you're still coming to God, but you just feel defeated. You just feel like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. I just want to encourage you that God sees, that he cares, and don't give up. Don't stop short. Don't bounce on God, please, because you're still on the spiritual journey. It just may not look like what you think it's supposed to look like, but he sees you, he's with you, he has not forgotten you, and you might just miss it if you bounce. So the more you stay planted, the more you dig your heels in and you just keep coming to God, the more that you wrestle and don't stop and don't bounce, the more, this is what I love about God, the more you're going to know why you love him, the more you're going to know why you follow him, the more healing you're going to experience, it's going to come with time. Just don't give up. So we've talked about the usefulness of God, but it's been on my heart, and I feel like this is the burden to talk to you about that God is also beautiful. Much harder thing for us to talk about. God cannot be confined to our brains, unfortunately. You know, he's, there's mystery involved. There are things we cannot fathom and that we never will. Uh, and this, here's some scriptures that talk about this. The scripture says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And then he says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And then Psalm 27 says, One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of my days, and gaze on the beauty of the Lord, and seek him in his temple. And I've thought about doing this, but I just, uh, I could try to tell you and explain to you how God is beautiful by using my very limited vocabulary, but it would fall short. But what I've learned, and what I know to be true, is that there's nothing like experiencing God for yourself. Nothing. Have you noticed that looking at a painting of a sunset or a sunrise or looking at a photograph of a sunset or a sunrise never, like literally never does justice to one that you've seen with your own eyes. It does not. I don't care if you're, he's not here, Nick Brown, and you take the best pictures on the planet. Like, it's not going to measure up. And this is so frustrating to me as an artist because I would try, I don't care how good you are, it's not going to be the same. I could show you a painting of waves and your body would not respond the same way as it would as you standing on the edge of the ocean, feeling the sand under your toes, hearing the waves crash, 
smelling the salty air, right? Like some of you who've been to the beach, you're feeling it now. You're like more relaxed. You're like, yes, that's true. And, you know, also you could look at a painting of food and it is not the same as eating pasta from soda. Can I get an amen? Come on. Like it is not the same. I don't care how awesome the painting is, right? And it's because a secondhand experience will never compare to your firsthand personal experience. Never. And the same is true with God. And I think it's why David writes in in the Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's like, just give me a try. Give me a chance. And um, this is kind of where I want to sit today. This has really been on my heart. And I've struggled because this is something that's so hard to explain with words. But I want to create a space for us to do just that, for us to taste and see that the Lord is good, for us to, like the other scripture said, dwell in his presence and gaze on his beauty. Because I can't, I could talk to you about it all day and it's not going to do the same thing as you experiencing it for yourself. And so we're going to end a little bit differently today um, where I just want to give us all an opportunity to just be with God not need anything, not have an agenda, but just be. Be who we are. Let ourselves be seen by him. I've been praying that he would be made known to us in a way that's different than we have before, maybe for the first time. I don't know. But um, we're carving out this time because normally if you come to this church at all, you know what you're going to get. We have a schedule. We stick to it. And today, I just want to slow down from that schedule, not be in a rush. I promise you, I've left plenty of time for this, okay? To just be. And the worship team's going to lead us in a song. Um, because worship is, it's not the only way that you can do this, but it is a way. And it's a way that we can do right now together. And so what I hope that you'll do is don't worry about anyone who's around you. Don't even worry about having to know the words. Like, don't worry about anything that you might normally worry about. And just take this moment to be with God. Okay? So whatever that looks like for you, if that is standing and raising your hands, if that is kneeling, posture yourself in a way to focus on his presence, his beauty. Because I'm telling you, he's going to meet you there. And so... um, We're going to do that, and then I'll come up and we'll wrap up. But just, I want to encourage you, whatever it takes for you to clear your mind from distractions and just focus on Him, just be with Him, and let God do what only He can do. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll go into that song. So God, I just, um, God, I ask that you meet us right where we are today. God, I thank you for your beauty. God, I thank you for your empathy. I thank you for um, the way that you've made us and the way that our soul craves to be with you. And so, God, I just ask right now in this moment that you would meet each person in an authentic way to where they are connecting with you, that it has nothing to do with anything fabricated or anything forced. God, but we just want to be with you. 
And so I just ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.